This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we recap a perfect and historic week for the Bates rowing programs. The women are heading to the NCAA championships for the 12th straight year, and the men are going to the IRA national championships for the first time ever. Plus, meet cold front. The women's ultimate club continues to make Bates proud. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Friday was a day to savor for the Bates rowing teams. Every single boat men and women, won its grand final at the National Invitational Rowing Championships. The final outcome means that the men and women repeated as NESCAC champions. The women are going to the NCAA Championships for the 12th straight year, and the men are headed to the IRA National Championships for the first time ever. Head coach Peter Steenstra tried to wrap his head around what his teams achieved. We've had a couple days. I had a nice trailer ride to kind of chew on it, and... uh... You know, Ben, I, I did some yard work at home yesterday for about five hours, so that helped out a lot. Got got some time to think about things, but I, I guess all that I can come up with is how deeply impressed I am with our athletes. They they performed, every single person performed at their personal highest ability on the same day, and that is just that that's uncommon no matter what team what sport you're in it that's difficult to do someone has to have a bad day every now and then but somehow we went there and and all 60 plus of them had a gold medal performance which is more than any coach could ever ask for yeah normally you know you have to haul back a lot of equipment but you had to haul back a bunch of medals too right <laughs> <laughs> luckily they carry their own medals yeah. <laughs> but we yeah we get some trophies that came with it and right so uh they they sat in the back of the truck with me <laughs> and then i mean let's start with the men um because it was such a historic thing they did right i mean hobart for years has been kind of like the team you guys have been you're focused on trying to beat and then maris was really good this year also when the second varsity eight rallied to win their grand final, did that make you start thinking, okay, the first varsity eight probably has a really good shot here? Um, yes. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I would say that even earlier than that, when, when we watched the men's four mm-hmm. win their race with a very convincing, you know, very convincing win, open water win, you know, you could just kind of sense that there was a little something in the air at that moment. Um, watching the 2v race come through and they were behind for the majority of that race and then all of a sudden this click happened and it was they probably took took a very aggressive move against Hobart and uh Hobart just said you know we've had enough uh, and and the guys just went ballistic after that so the last 300 meters I bet not one of them has any sort of memory whatsoever I think they were all just barely breathing they were doing their best to move back and forth and uh that boat was just up and flying and then the 1v obviously got the win i was watching on the live stream i saw everyone slapping the water after they crossed the finish line because they knew they got it and i mean maris was strong too so that was even maybe a more loaded race than even usual for the guys right it was uh, i mean we we had a little bit of 
knowledge on what we were up for. Um, I knew that the Hobart boat was kind of a young group, um, very good, very skilled, and, and powerful group, big guys, big, strong guys. But they're younger, and, uh, and I think the Marist crew was a little more skilled and more similar to our build, I would say. Um, the difference really was that our guys went off the line in an extremely aggressive fashion. And I think they sent a message to the others in that race that uh, if you're going to want, if you want to beat us, you're you're going to have to catch us and do it that way. But I, I got to tell you, watching our guys get through the last 300 meters, and I and I say get through because you could see <laughs> that steam was starting to run a little bit thin there. But uh, again, I think their overall spirit and and the, the focus of that boat just took over. Yeah, and so when did you start to – during the race, you said last 300 meters. Is that when you started to realize, oh, they're going to win this thing? Or <laughs> Yes, and yeah. it was all because I was standing there yelling that, that I knew that they would win. <laughs> now, we, we uh, once it got to 500 meters to go and all of the attacks that the other crews had made had thus far failed, mm-hmm. um, at that point I knew that at least Maris would have one more good – move in them uh, we could see just watching the um the jumbotron that hobart looked like they were falling off a bit at that point but uh yeah marist we knew they would have one more punch and uh, you could tell the point where they threw it it was somewhere maybe 400 maybe 350 remaining and then our guys answered that one right away and then it was over it was over with 300 to go yeah. is really what happened there nice and then what was the celebration like when the boat returned to shore Oh, screaming and hollering, and I, I pulled uh, Bilchik out of the boat by one hand and grabbed the kid. I almost threw him in the river right there. I was so happy, but, yeah, I'm just proud of the guys. It, they were so incredibly focused on that one performance throughout the entire year, and they really came together as a, not just a boat but as a team, and it was it was clearly a very big goal for everybody, and they did it. All right, so you've accepted the invitation to the IRA uh, National Championships, automatic bid for winning the NERCs. Uh, what's your expectations going into this? You're competing against, you know, the best collegiate rowers in the nation and maybe even the world. Our expectation is to do exactly what we've done in the past, which is get faster between now and then. And then when we get there, we want to have the best possible performance we can have. And we could get faster and have our best possible performance and still finish 24th. <laughs> But I have a feeling that we're going to take out a few other programs along the way. Um, you know, some other teams are looking at uh, – they go every year, and so anytime they fall into the third-level final, for instance, mm-hmm. um, they just are dejected at that point. Whereas for us, if we can earn our way into the third-level final, um, our guys are just going to be going crazy at that point. So um, – we're going to go to that race, and we're going to have a very good performance, and uh, the guys are going to have a great American rowing experience, and and um, I can't be more excited for them. Did you talk at all with, like, the other coaches? Like, I mean, you're a Hobart alum. Do you inter- any act- interaction with them? Or really? I was a Hobart alum 20-something years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I know the coach yeah. pretty well there, and he came right over to me to mm-hmm. congratulate me and, and I, I saw a couple of the alums that were there to, to watch Hobart row, and and I knew them from years past. And um, but I've been getting a lot of emails from some of my Hobart classmates and all that. Um, 
And yeah, it's it is what it is. <laughs> well, and you you touched on the Open Four winning the gold medal. They were the first one, first bait boats ever, technically, to win a gold medal at the NIRC. So that's probably a pretty special thing for them, right? Yeah. Well, at some point, there's going to be a trivia question, right? And uh, <laughs> the the answer the, the answer is Aiden Temperino. He yeah. was the very first Bates male to ever win a NIRC gold medal simply because he was sitting in that uh, coxswain seat there in that bow coxed four um, but yeah it, it's a it was a great moment for that four for this team for the program you know even if even if the other boats had had finished second or or, or uh, you know something along those lines that four still would have had a significant and even historic win because they would have been the first one. How much do you pay attention to the like the heat times? Because I saw some of the heat times, and then the grand final times were so much faster. Did the wind change or what? The wind, the wind did change yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at some of the results from Sunday when right. uh, Eastern Sprints happened, and yeah. you know the Yale crew was 13 seconds behind us. Right. Well, they had a headwind, we had a tailwind. So, I mean, you you look at the times from the heats only to get a little bit of some information based on what you're going to see in the final. Mm-hmm. They, they have the heats run one after another, so you know the conditions are at least very similar, yeah. if not the same. Um, but you don't you don't go in and say, well, we're going to finish third this afternoon. Right, right. Right? That's not what you do. No. You, you say, all right, we're all about the same speed now. Let's find out who knows how to do a grand final. Great. All right. So the women's team obviously has done this before. They've won the gold medal at NIRCs before. Now they're headed to NCAAs, though, and I'm sure there's still that – First varsity eight gold medal, no motivational issues there, huh? Right? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. And, and the seniors that are in that varsity eight, and as well as the junior and the sophomores that are in there, who who were a part of that crew from last year, I don't have to talk about that at all. That that's for them anyway. Um, ultimately, it's the team result is what matters. Um, so that goal for the team does not change. Once you're in your own boat, then your your own boat's goals are are you know defined by yourselves and then obviously the women you enter the women in a few more races than the men and they won all their races also i mean it must have been cool to see like the novice say in the third varsity do their thing too right absolutely yeah. there uh, you know I, I think the happiest moment for us uh-huh. and it, it kind of brought tears to everyone's eyes was watching that women's four mm. just annihilate the field <laughs> and win, win that race win that race by so much and uh and knowing that we had you know Catherine Weidman in there who's been out of the boat who hasn't been allowed to row for mm-hmm. all this spring and uh then to have her just like say I'm going to take the pain let me race and so we got her in there got got some special permission to have our coxswain uh Grossfeld have her hot seat between that boat and the novice eight mm-hmm. um which just allowed for us to enter the boat is what happened and so to see that crew come down and and race so well and so competitively and end up winning the thing with one practice under their belt was very inspiring I think for everyone all the women that were there were you know screaming about it so it was great yeah it's cool to see the fours win because Bates you know often obviously for good reason focuses on the eights and it just shows how much depth there is right well, you know, I'm I'm going to quote one of my own athletes okay. right now, but yeah. Laura Rand is the one who said speed runs deep. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is here. You know, the speed does run deep. You know, you don't have varsity eights winning these regattas if you don't have second and third and fourth eights down there operating at just the same level and output and drive and desire because that's how this happens. 
the varsity eight will not go that fast if there isn't someone right behind them saying, if you get injured or sick, I'll take your seat for you, mm-hmm. right? And that's how this works. Great. So you have a crazy couple of weeks coming up, right? I mean, you got NCAAs in Florida and then turn right around. I think there's an event in Boston you're going to, and then you're going to the IRAs in New Jersey. I mean, uh, I, is it, are you, are, are you like writing down your game plan here in terms of logistics and everything? Uh, trying to, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I guess the, I, I wonder if this is one tiny percentage of what it's like to be a Division One football coach. You, know? <laughs> you get pulled in 19 different directions all at once, and, and you have to sort of be in certain places at certain times but hey i'm more than happy to be having this kind of a travel and goofy schedule i'm looking forward to being at both regattas i can't wait to be at both of them i can't wait to be in boston for that event i think that's Mm going to be pretty exciting um and um i just hope that i can show up there with with the you know another big win Right, because that event is for celebrating women's athletes at Bates. So it would be nice to bring the National Championship Trophy to it, right? Happy to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the Florida course, we talked about this a little bit off-air. It's, it's what? It's, man, it's very man-made, very uh, recent, right? Tell us what you know about it. I don't know much. Uh-huh. I, I know that it can be windy, and I know that there's uh-huh. alligators. Um, but uh, we know from everyone I've spoken to who has raced there, including one of our own alums, uh, uh-huh. Elizabeth Sunshine, uh-huh. You know, she went down there and, and raced in the Worlds, and, and she said that it's just a, a fair, it's a wonderful course. It uh, feels really nice to be out on that piece of water. If you can plan for the heat as best you can, um, uh, you know, the, the Benderson Park folks really put on a good show. So I, I think that we're looking forward to racing at a new course, for one thing. What's interesting is that it's going to be a new course for probably everybody that's racing in this event. I don't know that there's going to be another Division three school that has already been to that race course. Maybe they have. I don't know. But it'll be new for everyone, and um, I think it's going to be a great racing experience. And then Mercer Lake in New Jersey is not a new course. You guys went there last year for NCAAs. Now you're going for IRAs. What, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be compared to NCAAs? Like, I mean, is it going to be m- more people, uh, a different type of thing, or what do you think? <laughs> it, well, it'll be more people yeah. because we are in the big event. You know, yeah. since our guys are in the the all around heavyweight Division One sized event, mm-hmm. um, they're going to have all the fans for all those larger universities are going to be there at the same time. Yeah. So in that sense, it might seem like it's a bigger uh, regatta. It's not any bigger. You know, the NCAA regatta is massive. Right. Um, it just they'll be in the mix with those those same schools at the same time. Well, it's all very exciting. I mean, any other thoughts on the weekend that you wanted to share? On uh, the weekend coming up when I uh, don't have a regatta? No, no, last Friday. <laughs> uh, no, I think I said it before. I just could not be more proud of them. I couldn't be more excited about what they still have yet to in front of them. All right, Peter Steenstra, thanks so much. All right, thanks. Our Bobcats of the week are clear. The first Varsity 8 Grand Finals at the NIRCs determined who gets the automatic bid to the IRA National Championships for the men and NCAA championships for the women. So the men's first varsity eight of Bao, Joshua Bilchek, Kento Kojima, Maxwell Milovets, Mats Tervish, Daniel Sparks, Quinn Gardner, Roddy Pratt, Stroke Eric Jordan, and Coxon Ariel Lee earns our men's Bobcat of the Week honors. Pratt, a senior who has been in the first varsity eight boat all four years, talks about what Bates accomplished and whether he thought of this possibility when he joined the program as a first year. Well, I don't know if I necessarily thought that would happen, 
but um, I think it was something that I was kind of dreaming of um, starting at that point and everybody else in the boat uh, who's been here for four years, guys in the second varsity eight, the four who've been here for four years, have been wanting to do this for a long time. So um, it's been quite a journey getting there, but, but I think the fact that we started thinking about it so early, um, creating a common goal like that so early was the reason why we were able to make this happen in the end. Well, take us through the race. I mean, as a rower, I mean, at that point you just kind of like black out almost when you're rowing, or how does that go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, my thoughts are that uh, if it's a good race, you generally aren't going to remember any of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I can kind of remember fragments of sound, uh, not really much sight. Um, so yeah, it is kind of it is kind of a whirlwind, and it's amazing how fast it all seems to go by when when the moment finally comes. Um, but I think the the one call from Lee that I remember very well happened around I don't know 700 meters in um, when she said that that she was sitting on uh, on Hobart's seven seat, meaning that the boat at that point was about two seats up, so just a bit. But um, I'm, you know, I remember thinking, I've never heard those words before. Um, this is one of the handful of times that a base boat has ever heard those words before. So, uh, you know, there's, I thought there was just no turning back at that point. We just weren't going to give it up. So, When you crossed the finish line, what were you feeling? Were you almost overwhelmed at the reality? or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know. I was really happy. I've never felt so excited about um, something, I mean, certainly an athletic achievement, but, but hardly anything in my life, really, just because um, so many folks have been working toward this for such a long time. Um, and when it just comes down to a, you know, a six-minute race at the end of the day, um, for it to actually shape up like that is really something special and, um, you know, something that I'm really thankful for and that, and that it's easy to forget if you've had a great season or a great ending to the season like that is that um, this sport can be kind of cruel um, in that all of the boats that showed up um, to NIRCs, or, or most of them, I would say, from their perception, um, you know, the, the boats that have been com competing for medals, competing for a gold medal, from their perception up to that point, they would have thought that they had put in enough work to win a gold medal, right? Um, I know of plenty, plenty of boats that thought they were going to win it, thought that they were in contention to win it, and, and it just didn't pan out. So that's not to say that, that we didn't earn this, um, right? That's not to say that we didn't rightfully win that race. Um, but there is a little bit of some sort of magic in this sport that I kind of believe in. Um, something a bit more intangible that's... I don't exactly know how it works, really. I won't pretend to. Um, but I'm just really thankful that it was on our side. How about your senior teammate, Quinn Hayward, unable to row but helping you guys out every step of the way? What Do you say anything to him after the race or anything? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw how, how happy he was, how proud he was. Um, and... 
you, you know, the thing about Quinn, Quinn is that, I mean, we, I've known him for four years at this point. Um, he's always been a great teammate to me. We've, uh, we, we've won medals together before. Um, but I don't think that he's ever been a better teammate to me than when um, he stayed with us for, you know, hours of his day starting at 5 a.m. Um, without really having to do that. Um, I know it meant a lot to me to see him bright and early um, supporting us in any way that he could. So, I mean, th that kind of commitment to the team um, means more to me than anybody can really do. So. Have you started to envision what IRAs is going to be like competing there? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet. I think what, what we have to do at this point is um, just try and pick up as much speed as we can over the next few weeks. Um, this water time is really precious to us. We don't get more than, I think, four weeks of water time in our regular um, training season just because of the late melt on the skog. So just to have that is, is a blessing in itself, especially for our seniors who are going to be leaving and and I wasn't planning on rowing after college, so um, that in itself is really sweet to me. Um, but in terms of how we'll approach the IRAs, um, there's a, the majority of crews there, we've, we've never raced before. They're out of our conference, you know, and uh, figuratively out of our league, or they're <laughs> supposed to be, right? Um, but, you know, not that we are going there going in there without expectations um but really want what we want to do is um show people that we belong there to some degree you know and that might mean picking up as much speed as we can to beat a couple crews there um but if we can just mark it with a stamp that that Bates is a crew that belongs at IRA that could be seen there in the future I think that would be the best thing we could do. Excellent. And then, did you get a chance to watch your second varsity eight go? Because they really cut off a bunch of time from their heat, and then you know stunned Hobart really, right? <laughs> yeah, I was I was running along the shoreline uh, as as they went down. That was right before we launched. Um, and I, I mean, th they had a very inspiring race during the fact even and I think they were something like half a length down mm. on Hobart and and just chewed through them in the second thousand meters so that was exciting to watch um and you know it was, it was very emotional for me to see that I um I was proud of them and then um you know m maybe it was a little too early to, to feel this but I, I remember just thinking this program has really arrived mm -hmm. um, at something special. And, you know, that was before we were on the line, so <laughs> I, got, I had to simmer down my emotions a little bit right. before starting the race because right. we still had work to do. Yeah. Um, but but that was special to watch them go. Well, I think I had a similar feeling just watching the results online. I was like, second varsity just won their grand final. First varsity eight, that's a good omen, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it gave us a lot more confidence going into it. Um, and it probably shook up the the boys from Hobart mm -hmm. a bit um, because it's watching your crews win um, 
not that it changes your race or that it changes the stakes, but but it does tell you something about the program and um, what people will be expecting from it. Uh, and so even watching the uh, the four race their grand final on, on the live stream at the hotel, uh, that was the first gold medal that Bates has ever won at the NIRC um, slash ECAC, yeah. whatever it's called <laughs> nowadays. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we were all just thinking in the hotel room, we were going nuts, again, watching them chew through crews in the second half of the race and thinking, you know, they, they just started the day. Yeah. Uh, then how about the women's team as well? I mean, every single Bates boat, men or women, won their grand final. I mean, that's, that's got to be unprecedented for a single college in an event like this, right? Yeah, I mean, it almost never happens. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't remember the last time. I don't know when a crew has done that at, yeah. at this regatta in particular. Um, I mean, the last time I heard about that happening must have been, I don't know if Washington has done that on both the men's and women's side. I mean, I know that they've done it just on the men's side or just on the women's side. But but that re that is super rare to see uh, both the men's and women's team be so successful at once, especially when you have um, you know, one head coach who's split between the two um, because that that definitely has its challenges for us I mean he he you know coach Steenster tries to bide his time 50 50 between us as well he can as well as he can that's a lot of athletes to work with so for both teams to be so successful I think says a lot about him and, and a lot about us as well yeah tell me a little bit more about coach Steenster as a coach what have you kind of learned from him over these past few years um, I, I don't, I don't really know where to start, <laughs> but I think, um, I'd say the, the, the biggest lesson that I've probably taken away, um, has been to, to train and, and to race with some virtue of patience. Um, and that means that with rowing, like I'd said, it all comes down to around a six-minute race at the end of the year. But you spend just an unfathomable amount of hours training. I mean, and that includes the summer. That includes the middle of the winter season. It just it just doesn't end. And there's a lot of frustration that's going to go along with that. You you hit personal plateaus. You Every time you come into a new crew, you have to get used to the new personalities, the new way that it moves however subtle that may be um, and you're going to have a lot of hang-ups but the most important thing that I think I, I learned from him and his training philosophy is to uh, always trust in well in the ability to find speed um, gradually as time goes on um, and as counterintuitive as that may seem, it, that things will just keep on accelerating from that point if, if you're diligent, if you're attentive, purposeful, patient. Um, and I know that's maybe kind of an abstract philosophy. I was, wasn't exactly sure uh, what to say, but, but that's probably what I've taken from the most. Did the foggy days leading up to NIRC kind of almost helped? Because I remember him saying to you guys when you were in your boat on the river that, like, hey, maybe that 
relax, um, the rest you got is going to be a good thing. It seems like it was, maybe? I, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I'm you not... You feel extra I'm, rested or anything? Yeah. I mean, who, who knows? Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we were definitely rested, you yeah. know. Um, we had a, a good taper. Um, and we also had several days where we had to uh, practice in the afternoon rather than in the morning. And so because the weather tends to be a lot worse for rowing in the afternoons, the, the wind picks up so much. Um, you have to be that much more focused when you're on the water there. When you have perfectly flat water, no wind, it's a relatively stable platform to work with, which is very good for making minute technical changes um, where it's better to have a, you know, a consistent platform to work under where you can see the direct impact of your rowing on the boat. Um, but rowing in rough waters, rowing in big swells also gives you a whole lot of perspective yeah. when you come to race day. If you've already dealt with something worse um, than the cards you get there, it's not as jarring, it's not as, as unsettling to be dealing with something like that. So I think a couple days of rough water rowing during that week benefited us a lot. Great, great. Well, any other thoughts on what happened Friday? I mean, it, Peter was, after words, he was like, I need a few days to get my head around this. Did you feel the same way? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's it's kind of strange for the dust to all settle yeah. and um, to look around at what's happened um, because the the truth is it's been much more than four years in the making. Uh, I mean, since I've been here, the program has has come a long way, but um, you know, as a, as a I'm thinking back to my time as a a freshman on the team and. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned that that I'd been in the first varsity at that point, which is true. But I don't really can—I wouldn't have considered myself a leader within that group at that point or on the team, um, because I'd come into the program not really understanding, you know, what the stakes were within this group, what the expectations were, what the hopes were. Um, that all came from the seniors of that year, who uh, in 2015. 2015 when Bates had never won the New England Championship um, that was what they had aspired to do so I took from them the principle of wanting to make the program better in any way that we could um, and sometimes that will come down to results but at other points it's it's something a bit more difficult to define in the middle of the year um, trying to find a way to you know, make the, I don't exactly know, just just become better. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember seeing as a, as a freshman that that's what they wanted and that's what they communicated to us. So, I, you know, I think we've, we've all been trying to emulate the same thing as seniors. And my final point being that uh, that's what's been special about this team is that I think people, I think rowers have been projecting that for years at this point, far longer than I've been here. Uh, that's why we are where we are today. So I'm really proud to be a Bates rower. Our women's Bobcat of the Week is the women's first varsity eight, comprising Bow Emma Wheeler, Hannah Beams, Grace Murnahan, Rosemary Kine, Olivia Stockley, Hannah Fitz, Lena Rentel, Stroke Laura Rand, and Coxon Elizabeth Folsom. 
They will look to help Bates win its third NCAA championship after earning the Bobcats a spot in NCAAs for the 12th straight year. Rand is a senior and in her third season as a member of the first Varsity 8. She talks about getting to watch all the other Bates boats dominate on Friday and what the team is focused on as they gear up to defend their national title. So we were actually still in the hotel when some of our boats started. Um, and so we were watching on the live stream our own boat, and it was just getting us really hyped up. Um, we first got down to the course when the men's four won, and that was really exciting to see because that was the first gold medal that Bates men have ever won at that race before, usually because Hobart and Michigan in past years has dominated. And so that was just exciting, and to be able to go out there and try to kind of further that winning streak it was it just got us excited and got us hyped up excellent and then um for you personally i know you're a different role this year than you used to be you're rowing bow in the past and now you row stroke for those who don't know bow is at the end one end and stroke is at the other basically so what's been the similarities differences for you yeah um i think it kind of all was surprising to all of us um but <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a different stroke or of a position it's not necessarily the most different because the pairs in the bow and the pairs in the stern um, tend to kind of have good balance abilities, good technical strokes. And so the only difference really is that they shifted the stroke from a port side to a starboard side. And uh, my pair partner, Sophia Rintel, and I have rowed as a pair before and um, it's been pretty successful. And so I think they just wanted to try that out. and. I think it's been good. We've had good success since then. But, um, yeah, I think it's just been a different mentality for me. I think it's a lot different to not look at someone's back. Instead, I'm looking the coxswain in the face. And whereas in the past I had seven, eight other people in front of me where I was kind of able to follow them. And so for now it's not like it's really that much more pressure. It's just kind of um, a different mentality. I just kind of run through things a little bit differently yeah yeah well as a senior you've been here through some formative years for the rowing program right your yeah. first year was the national title the first one the junior year the second national title in between you've had a new boathouse built what's this whole <laughs> growth process been like yeah um i think among the seniors we have 21 men and women graduating this year which is unthinkable i think i don't know if that's ever really happened before but i think right now we're just kind of going through the sentimentality of it um we like to remind ourselves that they there have been so many people before us that kind of set this stage for us and made this possible. And something that we really like to think about ourselves is that we are the only class that has experienced half and half of the old boathouse. And mm. obviously, um, good records and winning started happening before that, which made it possible. But I think just being able to have everything that we possibly can to do, make us fast, fast boats, new oars, um, new things for the coaches. It's just, it's very exciting. And I hope that with our class graduating and future classes coming up, that kind of the roots of the program and the meaning of it doesn't really disappear. And I don't think that that'll be really an issue, but it's definitely a large group of us going out that, um, yeah, started off in a little bit of a <laughs> different way. Well, it doesn't even need to be said, but uh, for those who don't know, the first varsity eight looking for that gold medal, right? Because yeah. that's, that's still something that has not happened yet in Bates rowing history. And so what's your thoughts heading into the NCAAs here? Um, I think, as you said, my freshman year, we started off with that first title, um, not in the varsity, obviously, but 
and then the second year we had a little bit of a low point and then last year we won again and I think last year when we didn't get that 1v title I think it was the seniors in the boat we had one more year to come back and do it again and luckily we've only we only lost one person from that boat and in addition to the coxswain um, so I think we're just we're just looking strong and we're really excited to try to go after it I think this year the setting us up this past the race this past weekend um, we won by a little bit more we've seen those boats before Williams was one team that didn't do as well as we had expected them to do which is exciting but also nerve-wracking for what other teams can come up WPI for instance we have never seen them have such a good showing and so can't really get complacent but it's obviously the top thing in our boat's mind well, yeah, because it's interesting because for years before you were here, the narrative was Williams would come in first into the A's, Bates would come in second. Like I think it happened like six straight years. Yeah. But now Williams just, I think, came in sixth in that race. I mean, isn't, yeah. that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, it, <laughs> it is weird. And I think I, I mentioned this to one of my teammates that it's been really interesting, as you said, to the transition for Bates over at least my four years. We have continued to get faster and faster, but we've always kind of stayed that like number one, number two team. Um, and it's really interesting to see other teams kind of rise and also fall. Like I never thought that Williams, they, we don't know exactly who's going to nationals. Right. We find out tonight, but um, I would never think that it would be up in the air as to whether they go or not. I thought it was always a given. Whereas teams like WPI kind of came out of nowhere and Ithaca that's, been, yeah, yeah, Ithaca, Ithaca has been rising over my past three, four years. And so that's just really exciting. And something that made me happy was um, on the water after we won on Friday. Their WPI and Ithaca was waiting to go into the dock to get their medals. And the three boats were just kind of sitting there congratulating each other and hoping to see each other at NCAAs. And that isn't really something that's happened before because I think we do have this mm. competition with Williams. And so it's kind of always been unsaid and we kind of like look at each other and not really say anything and um, obviously we see the same women over and over again but to sit there in the final and just be chatting with your competition was really exciting and it was really healthy and I thought it was just really encouraging to go into the next two weeks hopefully seeing those people again and being excited to see those people again. Excellent. Well, you we went on to Florida for NCAAs at a course that I don't think anyone's raced at yet, right? Not no, Bates, not any other school, perhaps. <laughs> well, <What>? it has <laughs> been it has been around for a few years. Okay. Um, but, yes, definitely new to us and very exciting because it's pretty new. So when you're approaching a brand-new course like that, what's the approach there for you? Well, I think um, I've seen a few different courses over the years, especially because of NCAAs, but I don't think it's any different than – say the freshmen that are going to NCAAs for the first time or the sophomores and juniors mm. or seniors that are coming. Um, I think it's just it's just another race course. You have a few practices that you kind of get to rubberneck, look around. Um, but by the time you're in the starting blocks for your heats and finals, it's the same 2K and the coxing is probably going to be the same. And it's, it's, it's just exciting to be in a new place and NCAAs definitely has a lot of hype. But um, in the end, you're just kind of going after the same goal that we have for the past three years, so it's, it shouldn't be that different. You've got a first-year coxswain now in the first varsity yeah. boat, uh, Elizabeth Folsom, right? Yeah. Tell us about her. She's awesome. I think something that um, I've really appreciated and liked about her over this past year, kind of going in and out, um, is that she's a very natural coxswain, which I think is good for – it's a good coxswain characteristic to have. Um, 
she every practice can be different sometimes you can have a really bad practice with your boat and that doesn't mean that you're slow it just it happens um, and I think she's really good at taking control of the situation this morning we did four different pieces and each one was different some were <laughs> bad maybe some were really good and her coxing changed throughout and she figured out different things that she could call up on us things that worked things that didn't she takes criticism really well which not saying that she does a lot of things poorly but um there every every person needs something different and so in order to take eight different um interests and eight different ways of motivation and kind of put it all into one that gets you really excited and gets you able to push as hard as you possibly can is a talent that she definitely has we touched on the practice this morning. That's what I love about this program. You just had, like, the biggest moment uh, in a long time there Friday for men and women combined, right? Yeah. Right back to work Monday, right? <laughs> we were right back to work on Saturday morning, oh, actually. We were, oh, <laughs> oh, my. I did not, think, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it, is, it is the nature of the program. Yeah. yeah 7.30, we were out there. We luckily just went for a nice little swing row um, just to kind of flush things out and see what – just kind of relax. Um come down from the excitement of this weekend but yeah it, it is right back to it and I think the exciting thing especially for the men going into these next two weeks is that they're the people that are coming back not the seniors for next year are able to practice for these next three yeah. re weeks if they um, stick around and so that's just really exciting all the people that have qualified which is the whole team for the first time ever we're just able to get two or three more weeks in of strokes um, which doesn't seem like it would, but it prepares you for the fall, I think, mentally and physically. Well, so after NCAAs, are there plans to go to Jersey then to support the men there for the IRAs? Yeah, I, I think as soon as I crossed the line, the women were saying, let's carpool down yeah. and watch them. Um, they definitely have showed us a lot of support over the years, whether it's watching us on live stream or a few of them came down to New Jersey um, because it was accessible versus California. Right. And that has been amazing. And so I think I'm just excited for them to have the opportunity to have this and yeah i would i would love to show them support of course all right any other thoughts on the races friday i mean it must be so encouraging for you for the future of the program it's like the novice eight winning as well yeah. yeah yeah the it's it's so exciting and i think it was it was crazy to think that this very much made history and who knows if it'll happen again um but it's exciting and bittersweet to leave on the note of everyone the team will just get faster and faster, and I think that's really exciting. And I've I've seen a really good transition over the past four years. Um, so I'm just happy and jealous for the people that get to experience it after me. But, yeah. All right, Laura Rand, thanks so much. Thank you so much. The Women's Rowing NCAA Championships are set for May 25 and 26 in Sarasota, Florida. While the men compete at the IRA National Championships June 1 through 3, in Mercer Lake, New Jersey. The Bates baseball team lost a heartbreaker by a score of 3-2 in 12 innings against eventual tournament champion Amherst Friday at the NASCAC Championships. The Bobcats fell to Wesley in 3-1 the following day to conclude their season. Meanwhile, the Bates track and field teams competed at Open New England against opponents from all divisions, including Division One. Senior Catherine Cook won the 5,000-meter run, re-breaking her own team record along the way in a time of 16 minutes, 34.68 seconds, the second fastest in Division Three this year. Meanwhile, on the men's side, senior Adedire Fakariti placed second in the discus, fifth in the hammer, and seventh in the shot put, as Bates placed 15th out of 36 scoring teams. The Bates rowing teams aren't the only ones headed to nationals. Cold front. 
The women's club ultimate team is headed to Division Three Nationals in Rockford, Illinois this weekend. Cold Front sports a record of 18-1 this season, and this is their third straight trip to Nationals. According to USA Ultimate, they enter Nationals as the second highest ranked Division Three program in the country. Talking some Cold Front Women's Ultimate here on the Bobcast, headed to Nationals for the third consecutive season. We've got three captains here, Katie, Josie, and Adair. Adair, I'm going to start with you. You're a senior, yes. but, and, but you haven't gotten a chance to go yet because you've been abroad the past two short terms, basically. So how excited are you to be going to Illinois to compete in your first Nationals as a senior? Yeah, I'm really excited. I've definitely been looking forward to this for a while. I was pretty bummed to not be able to go before, but I think I'm pretty ready to go yeah <laughs> and what a season Josie obviously the team um, undefeated up until regionals still got got out of regionals to get to the finals and so how do you compare this team or do you compare this team to the previous two versions of it I guess what growth have you seen I guess from the program yeah I think one thing that has really um, I've noticed this year is that our freshmen are just getting better and better every year and I think that's because as as our seasons go on in this competitive phase they're just learning more from upperclassmen players so sophomores um, who are now going to be seniors at this tournament have had like two years of competitive frisbee under their belt and have shown these like new first years what it looks like to be on a competitive team so we're definitely continuing to just fill out our roster and get deeper up and down and I was thinking about it the other day I don't think there there's not a single person on our team that like can't play in the game and like everyone is up to speed and everyone like totally deserves to be there and will like beat any girl on the other team which is it's so awesome <laughs> and then katie as, as a senior you went two years ago right national quarterfinals what was that experience like for you it was wild. That was the first time we'd ever made it out of our right. section in the Northeast. And so just being at Nationals was kind of crazy. Um, we couldn't even believe that we made it. But this year it's a lot more real. We've definitely been working. We knew a lot of, a lot of things, what we had to do, and we did it. Um, so I'm excited, and there's a lot less pressure, I think, than the first time we went. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So less pressure even though you all are seniors now. Do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I think... I guess it's like this is our last tournament of our whole college career, so it's kind of, I just, I feel like we both just want to have a lot of fun and, you know, play our hardest and we know how to play our game and just go with that and not get too caught up in, you know, winning and what the other teams are doing and all that. And then um, obviously all three of your captains, but Josie, I'm curious, you know, how do practices go? How do you run things kind of to make sure everyone's learning and getting better? Mm -hmm. So we have two coaches who kind of started coaching us. Um, two years ago and have increased their um, coaching time since then. So when they're here, they run our practices. Um, and when they're not here, we just plan on like plan a practice based on what we need to work on. Um, we try to keep intensity pretty high to like replicate game situations and push each other to do better. But yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you about her because <laughs> I, I know she's an elite ultimate player like on the national stage. What's she it like is. having her on the having Josie on the team? It's amazing. <laughs> um, Josie's really wonderful because she knows so much and she's been taught for so many years. As a result of that, she knows how to teach super, super well. So having Josie around is awesome because if somebody asks me a question, I don't know how to answer. Josie's always there to answer everybody's questions. And she's like a huge driving force in how our team has improved throughout these past few years because we've all been able to learn I feel like the capacity has always been there but harnessing all that energy into something productive has not been there in years past and now we've got it thanks to Jess yeah Adair I'm wondering how many players come in with previous ultimate experience how many are you basically teaching from scratch what have you seen 
I feel like almost everyone hasn't played frisbee when they come to Bates. Um, there's a few, you know, standout people, but um, I know like some people have thrown with their friends before and like know how to touch a frisbee. Some people have never like touched a disc in their hand before, <laughs> and so it's definitely. But I think it's a fast learning curve. Like a lot of people get the throwing down within the first couple of weeks, and then the game starts to settle in a little bit as they watch, and it's really exciting to watch how, especially our first years started this year, and how a lot of them have like grown tremendously. Yeah. So Josie, when you get a player coming in who's interested but has almost no experience, what's the first thing you tell them about Ultimate, how to be successful? Um, the first thing I tell them, uh, let's see, I, I have to remember. Um, <laughs> the first thing I tell them is that no, literally nobody plays Frisbee before college, so they're in the right place and they're going to feel really bad, but like they're doing the right thing. And um, that if you want to get better, you just have to show up to practices and you'll get better. And you're going to make a thousand mistakes. But if you make mistakes at 110%, better than making mistakes at 80%. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> that is what she says. <laughs> so I take it, Katie, when you came in, you didn't have any experience? No experience whatsoever. Could not throw a frisbee at all. But because people were so welcoming and encouraging, I came back. I was not one of the people who picked up on it quickly. I, it took me a very long time to pick up on the sport, but everyone was just so kind and um, receptive to people making mistakes you know it's not like oh she made a mistake she's off the team people it's learning and everybody is supporting each other in this learning experience and as such people stick around so now you're doing some of the teaching I take it probably right a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah what's that been like a role reversal super almost? fun yeah. super fun it's it's really wild sometimes to think about think back to my mentors on the team who have since graduated or who have now graduated and thinking now that maybe I'm that person for an underclassman, even though I don't really feel like I've gotten older and wiser, but maybe to somebody else I am older and wiser, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> so when you first stepped on campus, Adair, how did you first hear about Cold Front to even know to sign up? <laughs> yeah, I actually played a little bit in high school like with my friends who were on the Frisbee team, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I just hadn't played a lot of team sports in high school, and I really wanted to try it out, and it just seemed like a really fun environment. And then actually Katie's ASOP leader told us they were playing a scrimmage and we went and played. And that was the first time I played with them. It was so fun. And I think what's really fun too is in the fall, there's no A or B team. And we play a lot of mixed with the boys team. And that's really nice because it's really relaxed and everyone's kind of in this learning environment with meeting new people. And it's really exciting. So. Yeah. Josie, I know you've played at some national competitions and whatnot. How's that been going for you since you first started here at Bates? Um, it's been going well. So I um, have tried out for some other teams since then. I'm like looking to play some club frisbee this summer, um, either in Portland or in Boston. Um, and I think last year was a year where I realized I need to like keep playing over the summer to keep improving um, for myself. So it's been awesome to kind of balance playing at Bates and then playing outside of Bates. Katie, who handles the Twitter account? Because uh, I see the tweets all the time. Yes. Well, so our primary tweeter, her name is Goose. She's abroad right now. Oh. But she, if you see any hilarious tweets, they're probably her, hers. Um, but recently, yeah, I hate to say it, but sometimes if we have an injured player on the sideline, that's their job for like a way to stay engaged and have fun with the game. Um, thankfully, we don't really have any injured players right now, so um, we've been giving it off to parents back and forth to keep up with it. Right now, it's been Josie's parents, yeah. which has been really fun. Well, yeah. yeah, the parents really get into it, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, especially I'm really excited for nationals. We have a lot of parents coming, and Josie's parents started a parent email, 
and we requested some special snacks. It's going to be great to, like, catch people up because a lot of, I mean, since I didn't play in high school or anything, like, my parents have never really watched Frisbee, and I feel like a lot of parents are in the same boat, so it'll be fun to finally have people like, come support us and come see what the game is like, too. Well, Josie, I'm curious about the terminology because I've heard from some people, I, I've read somewhere that sometimes it should just be called ultimate, mm-hmm. but then I hear Frisbee, so mm-hmm. what should we call it? Um, I think it's it, the kosher term is ultimate. Uh-huh. Um, we casually say Frisbee practice. I think technically Frisbee is a trademarked um, oh, right. flying right. disc, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. you're not technically allowed, but at a school where not that many people are um, ultimate savvy, we <laughs> like to use frisbee sometimes to make sure that people know what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) right but i mean the the ultimate teams though have become kind of powerhouses in the region haven't they yeah our region's the toughest region in the country right now or according to usa ultimate we are i think the midwest is up there right with us um but yeah apparently northeast is where it's at so now how the nationals work you've got a pool right Mm -hmm. and then if you advance out of the pool you go into a bracket i understand a very tough team st olaf's in your pool is that right yeah st olaf Oh, man. What are the other two? We just uh, talked about it. North Park and North Park. PLU. Pacific North Park and Pacific. PLU, yeah. And St. Olaf has, I think there's one player especially, her name's Tulsa Douglas, and she's, like, known within the Ultimate community. It's re- really good. You could say she's the Josie of St. Olaf. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, she's really good, and so we'll definitely be looking at them. And they beat Carlton, who have won the national championships before, because they – Carlton and St. Olaf are fighting for that one spot to Nationals this year. There was only one spot from their region, so it was a pretty tough fight, but St. Olaf went through, so definitely looking to see what that match is going to be like. Wow, yeah. so no Carlton College this year. As no, a no. Yeah. no it's, it's crazy, but I, I think our biggest focus going in is just going to be worrying about how we play, yeah. so trying to focus on um, ourselves and not the other team. So definitely people are kind of – anticipating the game at St. Olaf, but I'm more excited to see just, like, how we play ourselves and if we can kind of control the pace of the games that we play. Well, and Josie, do you see players you've interacted with on a national level at these events, kind of? Yeah, I actually have a lot of friends from high school who I see um, at the D3 level. Um, A lot of my friends also play D1, so I don't see them at these uh, D3 tournaments, but it's always fun to, like, see people and see, like, what they've done for their programs and see them at the national stage. Great. And then, Katie, any other thoughts on this upcoming weekend? It's going to be really, really fun. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've worked so hard, and going into it, like Adair said earlier, knowing it's our last tournament. So we've worked so hard leading up to this, and now it's just time to have fun and play our game. And I think everybody's ready. We're going to dye our hair blue. Not full head, but just the the ends. For cold front. For cold front, (laughs) yep. And just going into it having as much fun as we can. Yeah. Should be fun. Sounds good. Three captains, Katie, Adair, and Josie. Thanks so much. Cold front this weekend at Nationals. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll let you know how our track and field athletes do at the MIT Last Chance Meet this Thursday. Plus, we'll preview the NCAA Men's Tennis Singles and Doubles Championships. Senior Captain Ben Rosen and sophomore Jacob Coppola are headed to Nationals. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) 